Thank you for joining IAB There. And now your host, Brad Behrens. Over to you, Brad. Hi, everybody. I'm Brad Behrens, the Editor-in-Chief here at the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Thank you for joining us today on IAB There, our daily live stream connecting the digital advertising ecosystem. It is Thursday, May 28th, and today's episode is called The Art of the Hack and How It Stimulates Agency Innovation. Our guest today is Adam Bueller of Digitas. He is the Senior Vice President of Technology and the Experiential Lead for Digitas North America, which is part of Publicis. We hope that you will ask questions about innovation and experiential technology of Adam. And in order to pose those questions, you'll need to do so on Twitter. So please use the hashtag IABthere, one word, all caps. Once again, IABthere, one word, all caps, to pose questions. Let's bring him in. There he is, Adam Mueller. Welcome to IABthere. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's really exciting. It's great to be here. So you what you what is experiential technology? Like talk, tell us about your job. It sounds like uh, like you get to play with gadgets all day. It is objectively the greatest job in the world, measurably. Um, experiential technology means what it sounds like. It's the layer where end users, ordinary people, customers, um, get to interface with the things that we build and create. It's where the experience, which is the subset of experiential, happens and. You know, there's a wide range of things you can do in the technology space, but I'm particularly interested in the place where the human and the machine meet and interact and where the sparks are buzz generated. So I suspect that you're one of the people who I would run across uh, leading tours at CES when I'm leading tours at CES, where you're bringing clients around and, you know, trying to figure out what's real and which of the, basically CES is a gigantic collection of hypotheses about human behavior interacting with technologies. Is, are, are we been in the same parties? It is almost a certainty that we have probably crossed paths multiple times, multiple years at CES. We also see CES as a way to um, position ourselves for what's to come in the year ahead and to understand where technology is going and make sure that we're on that edge and that we're accommodating it um, because we have a culture of wanting to be first and you can get the gestalt of what the new technologies are that are available at CES. And as a, a person who's tasked with um, painting the future for our clients and, and helping them to get there, CES is a beautiful palette of colors to, to do that with. What's your favorite place to hang out at CES? Yes. I love, pardon me, I'm having some mic trouble. I, Innovation Alley, back where the tiny little desks are and the two crazy guys from Taiwan with something that that's where I like to hang out when I can. Are you, are you, are you talking about uh, Eureka Park downstairs? Yes. 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 I love the, the sweaty uh, elbow to elbow vibe of, of Eureka Park. And that's where the, the real gems in the rough often start before they graduate up to, to the big leagues. And that's where the really exciting new stuff tends to be. And, well, yeah. Couldn't agree more. If we uh, if we get there next year, perhaps I'll see you uh, in that part of the world. So you're an innovation guy, and uh, and so I'm always curious who your innovation influencers are. So let, let me pose it this way, because uh, uh, I think there's just so many out there. But if you were going to be trapped on a desert island with one book, article, pot, body of work about innovation, who would you grab before you, uh, as the plane's going down, who are you going to grab out of your bag? Um, after I've put on my, my oxygen mask, 
And after I've whittled out the tens of thousands of other books, I'm a pretty voracious reader. Um, the one that's really been on my mind lately and that I keep being drawn back to given the state of the world, even before the pandemic was upon us, would be Exponential Organizations by Salim Ismail. Um, mm. And, and th there's a number of reasons for that. Um, all agencies in the advertising and marketing space run the risk of a certain level of commoditization and there's been more competition than ever before. I know that might seem hard to believe, but you know things are down to the wire more than ever. A lot of brands are bringing things in-house. Uh, there's just a, a fierceness to existing in the space that wasn't there previously. So all of the agencies, not just ours, are very much focused on adaptation within the last couple of years. And I don't think this will come as a surprise to anybody. And all the big advertising holding companies are going through some permutation of this. And some try to double down and triple down on being more extreme in their creative departments, for example. There's, there's a number of different angles to attack this by. But what we are trying to do, largely inspired by the concept behind exponential organizations, um, is to rethink lock, stock, and barrel all of the processes that we've been taking for granted inside Digitas. And there are many. And there are a lot of perpetual motion machines that have worked for many years and have had great outputs. And we haven't really had breathing room to stop and take stock and say, could we get 10x the efficiency out of this process with the same number of people using tools that have become available that we just haven't put into the right context yet? And that's what that book is, is largely about, the, the, the 10x or go home and mm. how you can do that. And it's not about replacing humanity to get improved efficiency and, and you know, throwing the human element to the side. It's about doing tremendously more with the people that you do have. So we've got teams that are analyzing um, our production process, for example, and looking at it from eyes that we haven't applied before and figuring out which parts of this are automatable and of those which are automatable in the near term future and why the hell aren't we doing something about that and you know machine learning and artificial intelligence is tremendously oversold in many cases there's a, a bit of a magic elixir vibe to it still uh, today which i think will always permeate the space, but the things that it can realistically do really are magically powerful. So we are reconsidering some of the stuff that we had done by hand or using Excel spreadsheets or through some bespoke platforms that we had created ourselves. And by streamlining these and making them really efficient and accessible, we can turn those portals outward to a degree. Um, we can platformize, if I can coin a phrase there, uh, our own services. And um, if, if, if the creative shops and the marketing efforts are being brought in-house with the brands, we can still make ourselves useful to them by offering our uh, product as a service. And that's a new way of thinking for us. And, and um, this is obviously not on my shoulders to bear, we have a, a head of 
project management and our and our general head of technology are all behind this effort and our and our CEO um, all see valid merit in this. But the the spark of it and the crystallization of these ideas can be found in that book, Exponential Organizations. And that was a bit of a long answer. Uh, no, it was a thorough answer, which I really appreciate. I, you know, uh, your former colleague, my friend Rashad Tabakawala, who, you know, Digitas is part of Publicis, and Rashad is in an interview with me many years ago, uh, talked about the protean nature of agencies. Uh, the, and that they, they'll, you know, like cockroaches, he said at the time, so it's not me, that's him, you know, they'll survive. Uh, and in part because they, they have to, uh, as the intermediary between the brand and the rest of the world, they have to flex as the rest of the, the, the world flexes. So I think that what you're talking about is uh, operationalizing that insight uh, through through this book, which I will have to read. Um, something that you, I want to pull something out of what you said, which is you were talking about the last couple of years, and uh, most of our conversations here on Ivy there these days are about the last few months, which is since the pandemic hit us, and we've watched everyone uh, really have to to pivot very quickly, and we've watched trends that many people think were already inevitable uh, accelerate quickly. And so I'm curious, and we'll get take this, use this as a bridge into the hackathon uh, that you did and the other hackathons that you've done, but how has the pressure cooker quality of coronavirus uh, inflected the things that you do and, and the speed at which you do them? There's a lot in there to, to address. Um, I, there was already a trend underway, I, I think, uh, and I'm not going to be able to pull the stats out of thin air, but uh, I, I think Don't there's about a, a trend toward um, the commoditization and the democratization of a lot of the specialized tools that used to be the sole purview of marketing and advertising agencies. And previously, you needed an army of highly specialized talent to do many of the functions that all advertising and marketing and media agencies were, were doing. And with the advent of cloud-based systems, which really put insane power in the hands of single individuals and also the changes in the market engendered by a company like Amazon, which is almost its own entirely standalone marketing and e-commerce ecosystem itself with its own sphere of influence. Um, all of these things have been impacting WPP and Publicis and, and the other big companies for, for years now. This is this is not um, going to surprise anybody who's listening to this show, I'm I'm sure. And uh, the the pandemic has sort of pulled the throttle even further back on that, I would say, by um, forcing agencies to um, be even more atomized in the way that they parcel out work and the way that they do projects and identifying um, people by their specific talents and secret sauces rather than the teams on which they sit geographically. And those geographical and physical presences had a sort of hidden logic to them that would cause teams to form a certain way by default that is no longer applicable during the pandemic. So it's giving us a, an opportunity to rethink the way we 
use our talent within the agency. Um, and you're in Boston, is that right? Or somewhere in Massachusetts? That's right. I'm in Boston and we have uh, offices in New York, Chicago, Atlanta, San Francisco. Um, I hope I'm not leaving anybody out that's going to be angry with me um, and Costa Rica as well. The reason I was asking is I'm, I'm in Oregon. Uh, the team that is helping us to put on this show right now is in New York. And it, just a few short years ago, you had to have television stations and very expensive equipment and satellites in order to have a conversation like this. And yet here we are face to face uh, and we're able to do it with, you know, a couple laptops and a bandwidth, a uh, couple laptops bandwidth uh, and, uh, you know, a couple microphones. So, I mean, like it's, it's, we're living in a, an extraordinary time. Well, to, to that point, I've, I've seen some amazing innovations that have been forced into existence from the pandemic. So one of my colleagues, Keith Soljacic, who is our AR VR expert, has been uh, part of an effort to figure out how to do uh, video production when you can't physically be in the same space. And how do you do mm. motion capture, for example, remotely? Um, because the clients are still asking for those kinds of activations just as much as ever before. And there have never been as many physical obstacles to getting that stuff done. So we're scotch taping and rubber banding things together with a quickness and it's, and it's working. And um, it's a valuable new addition to the toolkit that I hope will persist afterwards. So, you know, necessity being the mother of invention, I suppose. And I think we're going to see sort of a renaissance of really, really incredible animation just because people can work on animation, uh, you know, in a highly dispersed way, certainly, uh, you know, since sort of the Pixar revolution. Let's talk about how you take all of the various trends and urges and needs uh, that we've been talking about for the last few minutes and you create, you moved them into what you called a, a connected hackathon. And it was far from Digitas's first hackathon. So tell us about what you've done in the past and how the connected hackathon is different. What was it? Why was it? I would be delighted to, and it was very different. Um, so uh, our head of technology nationally, Zaid Al-Rashid, he is a big fan of uncovering hidden talent throughout the agency and hackathons are one way to do that. You get, a, you get a number of benefits out of a hackathon. You get specialized knowledge and training for engineers. And our particular spin on hackathons has always been, um, yes, you want to plus up your engineers, but you also want to show up at the hackathon with client briefs in hand. And you want the training and the learning and the knowledge that develops to adhere to actual client challenges because we're going to turn around as soon as the day is over and bring those to our account teams and pitch them and solve client problems directly. And this is, that's the conveyor belt system that we've always had. Um, we have in the past, uh, let me give you an example of um, one area of focus of our hackathon efforts. So we have a very close partnership with the Amazon Alexa team. And we've done four hackathons in tandem with them. So they will bring business development folks and solutions architects to our offices and sit with us. And we will bring in a basket of small client briefs and we all just have at it. And these have, have largely been focused on technology, although we um, increasingly, and this is something that we've learned over time, um, that is the wrong strategy. And this is something that I really think people need to take away from this and bring back to their own workflows. Um, this is not uh, a statement that 
uh, is the, the statement I'm about to make or what they do or anything about them. You are sitting on an enormous reservoir of, of talent and you need to find mechanisms to, to get that out. So initially we would do these Alexa hackathons with the Alexa folks and it was technology and some of our experienced designers. And then we started to broaden the aperture so that we had creatives and copywriters and people who were not technical, but still needed to be part of this workflow. And then eventually we had people from the finance department and we had executive assistants and we worked with the Alexa team to find um, tools for non-technical people to be able to engineer voice skills, for example, and, and, and get their hands dirty and get the results. And the possibilities began to balloon. And we've done hackathons with all of the companies that we partner with, Adobe and This Moment and Zentric and Kick and a number of other platforms. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to leverage the size of this agency to, to get them to weigh in with us. But the, the moral of the story that I'm getting to is um, those were the hackathons that we thought we were supposed to be doing. And that's how it had always been done. And we thought that's what a, a hackathon was. And then the pandemic came and we are always, even pre-pandemic, looking for ways to turn things upside down for our clients introduce new business models to them, even something that radical. And we're always trying to explore what's next and position them to be ready for that. Um, the pandemic was just another example of that challenge. And yet um, everybody was isolated and separated physically. Now I knew that we had to give people a way to feel like they were having some leverage on the world at that time. Everybody was under the same stress as we all are even today with the pandemic. And the idea was a sense of empowerment, a single person leveraging the kind of powerful cloud-based tools that I was talking about before that um, put insane capability in the hands of a single individual. Um, we want people to take the lever in their hands and pull it. And we wanted everyone to think about what they could do to um, adapt to the new environment that we found ourselves in personally for our clients and for our communities. And that was the brief that formed the basis of the connected hackathon. Now I was nervous as hell. I have never conducted a hackathon remotely before. And there was every possibility that it could have been quite a disaster. Uh, at a, in, a, in a typical hackathon, I would hover in the room and wander around, look over everybody's shoulder. Sure, yeah. Sure, staying on track. We're there to help. Right. And uh, it's easy for people to get distracted. I'm, I'm there to, to shepherd. Um, but we just shook things up and said, we're going to, we're going to do a remote hackathon. Why not? We have Microsoft teams. We have these uh, connected tools that we've always used. Can we repurpose them uh, and, and do something new? So we, we put out an invitation to the entire agency, many, many hundreds of people. And we framed it in such a way that it was gonna give you an opportunity to do something meaningful. 
uh, something was- different, something meaningful, something now. Um, but let, let me just, let me ask a couple of dumb cluck questions. Like, so like how long was the hackathon? What was, what's the short version of like, what was the brief? Was it about a particular client or particular technology? So as you're leading up to, to this event, like what, what were the participants hearing that they had, could, could, could do and had to do? Well, that's, that's what I found interesting. And, and I'm not going to go back to the way we were doing it before. Um, we made the brief incredibly general and open, which we had never done before. So normally we'd been very prescriptive. This time we said, you'd have to do something meaningful for your community, for our clients, or for our own agency, or some combination of all three. And that was it. The invitation said, that's the headline. Here are a few examples of some interesting pieces of technology that we've seen deployed that are bringing people together and making a difference. What can you do? And in order to, um, also people people joined up and, and they were given the option to be put on teams with people they had never met before. Hmm. And the, and they, when they, there was a sign-up sheet that said, do you want to work as solo? Do you want to be part of a team or do you want us to just randomly match you? And a surprising number of people wanted to be randomly matched. And I thought that was a recipe for, you know, bad Tinder dates. Um, those teams actually turned out to be among the, the winning teams. And they got- yeah, we, have good, we have good solid research that supports the idea that the more uh, heterogeneous your talent, the better the business results. And that the reason to not have, you know, an executive suite full of people who look like me isn't just because it's the right thing to do politically, but because it's the right thing to do in terms of having a robust uh, strategy and and have robust outcomes. So I, I think that I think that's that's there's a clear reason why that would work out. Uh, I, I, that, that's that's a fact, and I will I will fight anybody who disagrees with us. I think that's a fact. So let's dig in, I think, um, because I think we, we've got some, we're running low on time and I want to make sure that we give people a chance to see at least something uh, about that. So let's, can, if you don't mind, let's queue up. I think well is the, the first video. Let's show the video and then I'll ask you, you know, to tell us about it. So can we, here we go. Connor's going to show us. I think we're having a bit of a technical challenge. There we go. In 2020, we've never been more connected, yet feelings of loneliness and isolation still affect more than 61% of Americans, and 17.3 million adults have had at least one major depressive episode in the last 12 months. As we take steps now and in the future to maintain distance and protect our physical health, we must also do the work to maintain our mental health. Now more than ever, connecting with family and friends can be a source of hope. Insurers have begun offering telecounseling services, but to date, no one has harnessed the collective power of people already invested in your mental health. Until now. Introducing Well, an app that connects to social and smart home platforms you use every day. Well has three major functions. It predicts moods based on your collective social media presence and gets smarter over time. 
It shows you how your squad is feeling in real time and gives you the ability to check in and plan activities with those who need it most. Let's consider Lindsay. Lindsay's a 33-year-old single woman living alone in New York City. As a financial analyst, she's been working from home for the last two months, even though her career has largely been spent in a busy office. She downloaded well on a recommendation from a friend and has been using it just over two weeks. She's connected her Facebook, Instagram, and Amazon accounts, as well as her health app. Well has now started to sense some concerning patterns in Lindsay's digital life. She's able to view her personal dashboard where she gets a quick view of her well interactions. Then she moves to check in on her friends. Finally, Lindsay's able to use the discovery tab to send and accept activity requests with friends, inspiring connection, giving her something to look forward to, and boosting her outlook on life. Finally, Lindsay and her friends are able to tap into a support community for chats and encouragement throughout the day. We may not be able to be together, but together we can be well. Hmm. That's remarkable. So, so tell me about the team that did this and, and what's the result been inside of Digitas? Have people embraced it? Has it inspired other work? I mean, that's, so, tell me more, tell me more, I'm fascinated. It's insane, right? We, we wound up with 18 uh, final entries of that level of quality of two minute videos and each team. Uh, so that was a team from, from Atlanta. And um, we are already deep into internal conversations about plussing that up and extending it for a number of clients on the roster. And on Monday, we're actually having a senior leadership meeting where we're going to take action on, on that one and um, also analyze the 17 others that were finalists. And this is out of um, 118 people participated and um, uh, 18 final projects made it over the transom. And the uh, interesting thing about each of these is they built out an enormous chunk of the technology behind the prototype and behind the demo that you see. So a lot of the entries, people took it upon themselves to build fully functional Alexa skills to support the products that they were pitching, for example. Um, so by allowing teams to organically come together, you had creatives, account people, copywriters, financial, janitorial staff, I'm not even exaggerating on that part, and everybody pulling together and um, everyone doing what their passion indicated. And I think that was a huge part of why the quality of the output was so high is that we, um, deliberately took off the constraints and let people follow their their passion and tell me did the is there a, was there a prize i mean if you know you've got 18 that came across as semi-finalists if there is one it does is somebody going to win a prize like is or was this uh, and i think with extraordinary merit of its own simply a way of binding people together uh, so that you know who's on the other end of the zoom like what what's the end result that you're looking for um there were there were prizes uh, we always do prizes for our hackathons. Um, for me, this is going to sound like a bit of a diplomatic answer, but it's really true. The prize for me was I met people from our sister agencies within our holding company. I had no idea that they existed, and I have not stopped talking to them since we did this hackathon. So I think that calling it the connected hackathon sounds like a throwaway line, but it it really established new connections within the agency that are glowing with possibility right now. Um, Not only is it a connected hackathon, it's a hackathon that connects, which I think is a sort of a lovely, uh, a lovely thing, way that it, right. it folds in on itself. Um, 
I will leave you with a book recommendation uh, of to, to match yours, uh, which is my friend Kumar Mehta's book, The Innovation Biome, which I recommend to you because I think right you know Kumar already. Or oh, all right, well then. Uh, awesome. Well, then you maybe we'll have yeah, Kumar on personally, but if you want to arrange something, <laughs> happy to. I'd be delighted to. He's a wonderful guy. Uh, and the for the viewing audience, uh, Kumar's thesis is that uh, having innovation held within an innovation officer, an innovation department, or outsourced somehow is ultimately a disservice to the health of your organization because you can unlock innovation and should unlock innovation uh, everywhere. And in fact, uh, Adam, this is what you've been doing. And so I'd like to celebrate that. Thank you uh, for coming on IAB there. It's been delightful to have you. I hope we can learn more uh, as you keep on doing this. And we're going to move on to the credits now. Thank you once again, Adam Bueller, for joining us. On tomorrow's IAB there, we are excited to welcome Carrie Tilds. She is the Chief Strategy and uh, Operations Officer for Frameplay. We will be talking about next-gen advertising and video games, which is as we all know, during the pandemic, we're seeing what was already an extraordinary amount of time and attention increasing even more. I also want to let you know that on Monday, we are excited to announce a special hour-long edition of IB There, IB There Streaming Edition, which is powered by our friends at Hulu. We will have uh, special guest Susie Deering, who is the CMO of eBay, uh, and Asaf Davidov, who is the VP of Ad Sales Research at Hulu, uh, Make extra time for us on Monday. It'll be an extended episode. We're very excited about it. I Be There is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our show today was produced by Connor Healy, Joe Ons, John Ward, and Tofika Mahinadin. I'm Editor-in-Chief Brad Behrens. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, remember to tune in tomorrow because if it's 2 p.m. Eastern, you know that it's time to I Be There. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great day.